is all about that. It's well, the Apostle Paul had already been in this area a couple of times and they established a church here. Then in his absence, it was little things begin to creep in. Well, it's not such a little thing, to be honest with you. When you start reverting back into Judaism, away from Christianity, well, that's a problem. And it was a problem with the Apostle Paul, and it's a problem in our day today in which we now live. Men, women, boys, and girls, and, it, and, and folks, it is, it is a known truth that a sound church is only one pastor away from becoming a dead church. A sound church is only one pastor away from becoming a, a church that is filled with all kinds of things that never was before. And in Galatians in chapter 1 verse 1 and 2, the Bible states here in Paul an apostle, not of men, not by man, but Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. And what's, what he's having to deal with here is not just one single church, it's all the churches that were established in Galatia. All the different bodies that had come together and, and, and in his absence, there were strange doctrines began to creep in. And so this is what we're going to be dealing with in this book here, in this, this writing. And I pray that the Lord will open our eyes to be very careful, to be very wary of new things. You know what I'm saying? New things that come in or, or that creep in. A lot of times it's the new things that just are there to make people feel good, to make people happy. But sometimes, listen, if you are introducing a new thing in an old church, you ought to have problems. There ought to be enough in the lay, layman, there ought to be enough in the pew to be able to put a stop to any heresy that begins to creep in. Paul had come to this place where he had to write this letter reprimanding these individuals, these, these religious, these Christian believers because they were being led back into the practices of Judaism and the law. So that's what we're dealing with here. And I want tonight to just give us an introduction to this book. We'll not spend a great deal of time, but there are some few things that I want to bring to light and bring to our attention this evening. So, Brother Rick Evans, would you lead us in the throne to the throne of grace, please?
Amen. Emmanuel, to our visiting friends tonight, we embark upon a new study this evening from the letters of the Apostle Paul to the churches of Galatia. This will, by God's grace, be the introduction to a very important letter sent by the Apostle Paul to the Galatian believers concerning one of the utmost importance of justification by faith and not by the keeping of the law. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16 here, the Bible says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now, Paul's making it very clear that what had crept into the body was completely against the Christian teaching of justification by faith. As a matter of fact, it goes all the way back to the Old Testament law and and the things of the law uh, that were meant for righteousness' sake, but not for salvation's sake. As we think about this in Galatians chapter 3, begin reading at verse 7, and we'll read down through about verse 13 here. The Bible says, Know you therefore that they which are of faith... The same are the children of Abraham. And what he was saying here, listen, there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. You're saved by the grace of God. They're saved by the grace of God. They were saved the same way. In verse 8 it says, And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You know, it's all fine and well to keep the law. I mean, the law is there for a schoolmaster. It's there to, for the good of, of humanity. There's no doubt about that. But if you're trying to do it in order to get to heaven, what the Bible's saying here is Paul's trying to get them to understand that when you make one, one mishap in one of the laws, listen, you're guilty of the whole law. And therefore, you are guilty of sin and unable to be saved because of that. What he's saying is this, salvation, again, salvation is of grace through justification in faith. The Bible says in verse 11, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. The just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. It is noted that the Apostle Paul had visited Galatia a couple of times before this letter was even written. But at the time of his absence, a group of Judaizers from Palestine 
had come in among these Christian believers and began to insist that they, if they were to be really saved, if they were to be real Christians, the one thing that they would have to submit to is the Judy, the Judy, Judaic, Judaic, I can't even say it now, but the, but the law of circumcision. They were saying, listen, you're not even a real Christian if you don't submit to, to a Jewish ordinance of circumcision. These Judaizers also insisted that these new converts to Christianity must adhere to the law of Moses in order to be saved. You see, they were introducing some falsehoods that were just like today. They destroy churches. Falsehoods that enter into the sanctuary of the living God, listen, are those things which will destroy any church. Maybe that church once stood for great amazing things. I know a church today uh, that I was brought up under in many and many times. I went to that church as a teenager and, and that church was a sound Bible-believing Baptist church and today that church is no longer even there because they began to introduce some of the things that, that are being introduced all over the country today. And it destroyed the soundness of that church. There was one preacher, one preacher from the, from the, from the man of God that once stood in the pulpit preaching the things of God, just like we do here. One preacher one preacher led that church astray. And I remember there were some older folks in the church there and they were all, they were upset with the things that were going on in the church. And, and I remember that one time one of them spoke to, to us a, 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 as to the fact that we no longer understand what's going on in worship. It was a great deal of praise and worship, the things that were going on. They had a big band up here in the corner and they had all kinds of dancing going on and everything else. And, and that once sound church lost all of its older generation and a new generation come up that had, that had itching ears. Listen, folks, that's how churches are destroyed. Paul understood that. Paul knew that when you began to let down on the Word of God, Paul knew that when you began, began to let down on the preaching of sin, that sin was going to creep in. He already had dealt with that at Corinth. Because, because of sin being allowed to go on in a church, it about destroyed the church at Corinth. Paul understood what he was talking about. Completely going against the law of faith, which had brought about their change and subsequent conversion to Christianity. These new converts, as being without the true grounding in the faith, were like many new upstarts of today, eager to do anything but the right thing, eager to just get along. Folks, I want you to know something. When you begin to compromise on the Word of God, you're opening up a church that is susceptible to anything and sure to die in just a year or two or a few years down the road. There simply is no way 
and no reason to compromise when it comes to the Word of God. We must stick to the old truths that were once delivered unto the saints by our forefathers. And I stand behind the pulpit of an old gentleman that, that stood here many years ago behind this same podium. And he was preaching the truth. He was preaching uh, 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 the Word of God as it is. Men such as Brother Meadows, listen, who followed the traditions of the first churches of our Lord are, are necessary in today's society because today's society is doing everything in its power to just get along and get by. Followers of men of old who through the succession of truth keep up the old ways. You know, I go back to 2 Thessalonians for just a moment. In 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2, Notice what it says here beginning at verse 13. The Bible says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning so chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast, you know what, as I look over this congregation, I see, I see deacons that need to make sure they stand fast. Amen? I see laymen who need to make sure that they stand fast in the things that are written in the book. I see Sunday school teachers that need to make sure you stand fast and don't let things slip. Listen, that's what keeps a church where she needs to be doing the right things. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or this epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us an everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Now I want, I want to focus here for just a moment on two verses of Scripture. Verse 15, the Bible says, Stand fast and hold the traditions. You know, I've heard men uh, look at me and say, well, yeah, That's just an old tradition. You just want to... Keep the old tradition. Listen, that's exactly what Paul was saying. You stick with the stuff. You keep the traditions that you have been taught. The Bible states it very well. That word traditions in the Greek is paradosis and it means the teachings and ordinances. That's what we're to hold to. And Paul was saying this. Listen, you keep to those traditions. Listen, don't be afraid to call it traditions. That's what the Lord's Word said. It is tradition. That means the keeping of the teachings and ordinances that were once delivered by allowing misinformed people to communicate a narrative which is false in nature and teaching, you stand the risk of going astray and following a false teaching. That's the reason why that Paul was telling these young believers, listen, be careful what you let in the church. 
Be careful what you let in the pulpit. Be careful how you your teachers teach. Be careful how your parents are teaching your little ones. Listen, know this. That it just takes a little bit of it just takes a little bit to ruin the whole pot, right? It's just like leavening. It just takes a little pinch. As a matter of fact, the smallest uh, uh, the smallest uh, uh, amount of leavening that you put in anything, it changes the whole character of whatever it is. That's what happens with the church. You let a little falsehood here. You let a little falsehood there come in. You begin to uh, 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 let things just kind of slide. Listen, you know this, that you're, you're fixing to get yourself hurt and the church. Look at 1 Corinthians 14.40 again. Now, I've, been, I've been hammering on this quite a bit here lately because I, I find it to be a very important scripture. You know, a lot of times, and I was guilty of this, just reading over this scripture and not thinking a whole lot about it, except for the fact, as a matter of fact, I would use it in business meetings a lot of the times. But I understand what's really being said here. Let everything be done decently and in order. Now, <clears throat> I brought this out, I know, a couple of times already. But I want you to think, the Apostle Paul was here reminding the church at Corinth to be mindful of the past teachings of the early church, which had not been long removed. So the truths were readily available in memory, the truths were readily available in letters such as we are even doing here tonight. The word that was found in 1 Corinthians 14.40, the word order, is a Greek word that means succession and kind. In other words, you do everything decently and the way your forefathers done it. That's what he's saying. This one verse of scripture here uh, as you as you chase it down in the concordance, this one word means something very special. You stay with the stuff. You remember what brother brother Meadows used to teach. Some of you older folks can remember that. I remember brother Meadows when I was a young boy over at Salem. I remember him coming over there once and. And I remember looking at him and I thought, man, there looked like an intelligent man. I mean, that white hair and that dark complexion. I mean, there he was and, he, and, he, and to me, he looked like a, looked like a religious giant. I'll, I'll just be honest with you. When I looked at that man, I thought, man, I bet he knows something. You know what? It's men like that that you need to fashion yourself after and fashion the word after. You need to keep up with the traditions, in other words. You need to keep up with the order of things as they've been done and as they have followed all the way from the, from the first. I, and I pray, and I, I told you this the other night. Listen, I pray. I'm praying that this church here and this pastor is still following after the same kind of teachings and the same kind of deportment when it comes to the worship power in our services. I hope we're still doing the same that the first churches in the first generation used to do. That's my hope. 
We're a long way removed from there. 2,000 years removed from, from the first churches that were established by Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and know this, but I pray that every day that when I stand behind the pulpit, that I'm still preaching the same things that the, that the people of God did in those days. That's what I'm praying. And I pray that to the, to the day I die. Listen, if you don't keep up with succession. Listen, that's how we keep falsehood out of the church, even today, staying with the stuff. Keep things, keep teachings, keep order, keep the order of the events the same. Listen, you don't have to change anything. We don't have to change the way we have services here. Listen, I, and I understand that every... All of our churches, all of our sister churches are independent churches. They can do what they wish. But let me tell you this. I pray that we'll stay the same. I pray that we stay the same as the first churches did as well. Listen. When you begin to allow little things here and there to creep in, you're asking for trouble. I know I've said that once. But listen, there is no need to change to accommodate our fleshly desires. I'm certainly not going to start allowing certain activities to filter into the church just because it makes everybody feel comfortable. You know what? Church is not always comfortable, is it? Sometimes the Word of God kind of gets a hold of us. Sometimes, I remember I was preaching in a revival meeting and I was preaching that message, I'm no longer an orphan. It's just a little while back. And this lady come out and I thought it was one of the, I thought that, that message has always been a message to me that, that talked about the joys of salvation and knowing that I've got a father. I'm no longer an orphan. This was an older lady walked out. She said, you stomped all over my toes. I said, wow. I thought, how in the world did I do that? <laughs> I wasn't trying to stomp on your toes. I was trying to encourage you. She said, it got my toes. I said, okay. I, I don't know where her life was, but I'll tell you what. I'm no longer an orphan. makes me joyful, amen. I look forward to, to those things. But know this. You know, we need to remember a couple of things here. We are the church, right? This building is just where the church meets. This building is not the church. And that's one of the things that's kind of one of my pet peeves that I always try to get people to understand. This building is not the church. And you know, somebody said, well, we're going down to the church. I said, is all the people there? No. Well, you're not going to the church. Then you're going to the meeting house. Amen. Listen to that. Remember, we are the church, not this building. So when we are together in business or worship mode, certain activities are to cease. What's that? <clears throat> well, there's plenty of different things in the Word of God that tells us how we are to carry on a religious service, a worship hour. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 21, the Bible speaks about the fact of, of, you know, right before the Lord's Supper, I mean, they were, they were eating and they were drinking. As a matter of fact, some of them had drank so much that they were actually getting drunk, which 
goes to show you that grape juice wasn't being used in the first church, right? Listen, grape juice doesn't get you drunk. You drink enough of it, you might get an upset belly, but it's not going to get you drunk. Now, this here is the teaching. For in eating, every one taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have you not houses to, to drink in, or despise you the church of God? Talking about the people, not the building again. And shame them that have not. You're not going to shame the building. You're shaming the church. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? He says, I praise you not. This is, and I'm careful not to allow uh, our participating as other groups are today with Brother Manuel like this. That Sunday morning coffee and donut time. <laughs> I hear you. He's always joking to me about that. We're going to start having Sunday morning coffee and donuts and milk. No. You know what the Bible says? You've got a home to eat in. You've got a home to drink in. Now, there's nothing wrong with coming over here to the fellowship hall when we gather over here to eat. There's nothing wrong with that. But listen, when we're in a place and time of worship, it's time to lay our fleshly desires aside, amen? It's time to put those things away. We are to keep our fleshly desires in check. It's only for a short while as we worship. Anytime we come together to worship, we are to restrain our fleshly desires. The Bible also declares that there is to be a certain decorum in our worship service. You know, I was telling I was talking to Brother Jeremy about this just a moment ago and, and, and you know, some of the things that we were talking about, listen, just was completely right in line with our message tonight. But I, I, we were sitting talking about things that are different. Folks, I want you to know something. If it's different, it's changed, right? If it's different, it's not what you need. The Bible declares that there is a certain decorum when it comes to worship hours. In 1 Corinthians 14, 40 again, that word decently, let things be done decently and in order. We already discussed order. The word decently in the Greek means fittingly. It means proper. It means becoming. It means honestly. So, the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth is saying this. Listen, make sure what you're doing is fitting when it comes to worship. This is no place and no time to joke around. That's the reason why I cannot stand. And, you know, like I've said before, you know, I've said some pretty, pretty funny stuff and I didn't mean to. I don't, I don't try to be funny. But, you know, I just don't believe that the pulpit's any place to be telling jokes. I'm sorry. Well, no, I'm not. I'm just telling you like it is. Listen, I believe the pulpit. Number one, I believe the man of God is not to be a jester. I couldn't tell a joke if, it, if my life depended on it. I know that. But know this. Some men can't get through a half an hour of their opening statement without telling those jokes. Hey, listen, that's not the way, that's not the way uh, uh, John used to do it. That's not the way the Apostle Paul and Peter used to do it. 
As a matter of fact, they would just get right down to the business of, of, the, of the situation and tell you what was on their mind and what God had led them to bring. Let things be done decently and in order. The Bible declares that certain things must be maintained in the church. When we come together to worship, we're to hold fast certain teachings. Now, there's a reason why that the Lord put in His book certain things when it comes to worship, to the, to the time of worship. In 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 33, the Bible states, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Now, today's society tells you that men of uh, the Sovereign Grace group are male chauvinist pigs. That's what everybody's, everybody leans to anymore. When they preach that a woman's to keep silent in the church, it's just another way of pinning them down and holding them down. That's not, that's not the way, what God intended that to be. He says, let your women keep silence in the churches. That's not, the, again, that's not the building. That's the time when the people have come together to worship. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. What changed? Can anybody give me an answer? What changed? Listen, it wasn't God's word. Man changed. Why? Because he wanted to suit his fleshly desire. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under the obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for the woman to speak in the church. This, according to many today, is a barbaric way to allow male chauvinists to control all aspects of church life. But this is the Word of God. God says, I change not. I change not. In 1 Timothy, we go on over here. Now, I'm just trying to bring some things to light concerning some things that I have heard of and watched in my, with my own eyes. Things that have changed in worship. I remember one time I went to a, 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 a sister church and I was visiting there. There was somebody being baptized that wanted us to come and watch. And, and I was there and uh, man, I'm telling you, there was all kinds of different commotion going on during that whole service. In, second, in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11... The Bible states this. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man but to be in silence. Now, listen, this is, this is something that's, that's beginning to well up in many churches today. Not only is there women preachers, but there's women teachers that are trying to teach the laymen, the, the adult men... And God says, that's not the way it's supposed to be. 
Now, who changed? You see, God, this is what Paul's dealing with. Paul is dealing with change that's been introduced into the new churches. And he's trying to stamp it down. Listen. This in no way diminishes the importance of the women in our services. But getting back to our text and opening statements, tonight as it concerns the church at Galatia, she caved in to the pressures of others. They began to go and revert back into Judaism mingled with the New Testament teachings and it corrupted the body of Christ simply because they allowed change to come about which fundamentally became a paradigm shift which distorted the very teachings of grace. What does Jeremiah 6 say again? We go back here as I get ready to come to a close. I want you to think about this now. Jeremiah chapter 6. Again, we go back and we look at some of the minutes of the old church and some of the practices of the old church. Now, there's a few things that have that have been allowed to slip down through the last hundred years. Not doctrinally, but listen, I'm talking about things that that shouldn't go on in the house of God to begin with. But this, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, wherein is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Also, he says, I, I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not hearken. You know, that's what's going on today, folks. People are saying, I don't want to hear your old-fashioned preaching. I had a couple here uh, not, too, not too awful far removed. Listen, they didn't like my old-fashioned preaching. They didn't like the fact that, that uh, I, I called sin out and I called people out. Listen, you know this, but... That's what God's Word says. you got to stay with the stuff. You can't be pacifying. You can't, you can't uh, 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 come in here and tippy-toe around every little uh, uh, fault and, and problem that people have. you gotta, you got to spell it out. That's what God's Word says to do. Listen to this now. People today don't want to hear the bloody religion. And that's one thing that I was accused of. I, I, I preached too much on the blood. Folks, without the blood, you're not going to be saved, right? Without the blood, there is no shedding, there is no remission of sin. So tonight, as I said, listen, in verse 18, the Bible says, Therefore hear ye nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them, Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruits of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. You see, there's a reason why that we want to stay with the stuff. Amen. There's a reason why that we have to, we have to keep it the way it always has been. There's no reason to compromise God's word. There's no reason for us to change the way we worship. We're not going to, like I said, we're not going to start acting like the world. I think we just need to stay the way we are, just old-fashioned church. One of the greatest things that I believe we, we can have is an old-fashioned church. I remember, I remember Brother Donnie's mother. She told me one time, she goes, Now, 
you're one of the old type preachers. I said, what do you mean? She goes, you just, you just preach old fashioned. I said, well, it's just old fashioned truth. The apostle Paul even had to rebuke Peter because of his actions against the Gentile believers. At one moment he was with them, the next moment when another crowd was around, he was, he was hating them. The main thing concerning this letter is that salvation is all of grace and faith and not of the keeping of the law. That's what we're going to see in these verses and chapters of the book of Galatians. And I pray that it will be a study that will open our eyes and make us consider what we have. Folks, we are a blessed body. But we've not arrived, amen? We've got to keep our guard up. We've got to keep, our, we've got to keep watching them. We can't let things begin to break down. And that's what Paul was trying to fix. He was trying to fix the problem that the Judaizers had brought in. And we'll see that in next week's lesson as we begin to open up.